So how come sometimes we do wrong things, wrong behavior, sometimes um, then we are a good person, sometimes we are an evil person? But you have to understand that everybody's mind contains basically two parts to it. One part is the emotional mind. The other part is the thinking or the reasoning mind. Emotional mind reacts to outside environments and all these senses go through the mind and when all our senses are interaction with the outside environments it triggers a lot of actions to it inside the emotional mind works so the emotional mind because of certain things can get angry the emotional mind can get jealous the emotional mind can have violent behavior in it the emotional mind is always working against you, creating mental afflictions in you. So jealousy, hatred, fear, anxiety, all this sequential suffering is because you have an emotional mind. However, you also have this thinking and reasoning mind. This thinking and reasoning, reasoning mind tells you, oh, this is not what you should, you should not do. This is what you should do. This is what you should, should not do. Floyd uses another term for the emotional mind. That is the it. ID, it. And this reasoning mind is the ego. That's the ego in you. That's the ego in you. And this emotional mind and the reasoning mind, they always work in conflict. In other words, you want to get mad, but because of your culture, because of wisdom, you say, don't get mad. Maybe you should calm down because there's some certain reasoning you have to do. For some people, they may not even have that level of reasoning. They just get mad. When they're angry, they get mad. When they think of something bad, they get anxiety, they have fear, they have mental afflictions, they have jealousy, hatred, anxiety. You name them because the emotional mind works. And this reasoning mind also works, but it depends on what kind of training you have the reasoning and thinking mind and they're always in conflict with each other and when they're in conflict most of the time the emotional mind wins you get emotional you get hatred you get jealousy you get angry so meditation is to step back step back from this two mind and look at this mind and start to train yourself to look at the objects, to be detached from the object. In other words, there's an object that infuriates you. You don't get angry all of a sudden. You step back and take a look at it. Go through your, your reasoning mind, and then you calm down, you relax. But that requires training. That's, that's the reason why we have samadhi training. Samadhi training is to look at within. When certain object infuriates you, then you don't get led away by that object. You retreat back and think, using your reasoning mind to think, and then you get that samadhi, that concentration, to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get angry. 
I'm not going to kill, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to commit sexual misconduct, I'm not going to do all these bad things. Because you have that thinking, reason, mind to be in control. Most of the people have the emotional mind in control. That's why we get mad. Meditation is to have an introversion of your attention to purify your mind. In other words, to calm down your mind first. When you calm down your mind, you have a better perspective of what happened. When you calm down your mind, another thing comes up. When your mind is calmed down, what comes up? Your wisdom comes up. Your, when your mind is not calmed down, you don't have wisdom at all. You behave foolishly. You will behave irrationally. But when you calm down, you relax and calm down, and look at it from a third person, then your reasoning mind starts to have control. Then your wisdom level is increasing. Then you can analyze the situation. It also depends on your educational background. It also depends on a lot of other factors. But I'm just generalizing it. So that's, how, that's the reason how meditation fits in. No one can escape emotion without training samadhi. In other words, without calming yourself. If you don't calm yourself down, relaxing your mind, calming down your mind, then can you look at everything with wisdom. So that's to generalize it. That's how the mind works. Meditation is to help you to retreat into that samadhi. In the process of retreating into samadhi, wisdom level will come up. So you will find that for anybody who is doing meditation all the time, their wisdom level will increase. Because they are, they are calm. They're pacified. They're not excited. They're not agitated. They're not easy to get aroused. The, temper, the temperament is not easy to get aroused. Because they can look at things objectively, with more reason, with wisdom. Which mind you want to exercise? You want to exercise your emotional mind or your reasoning mind? It's up to you. The Buddhist teaching is not to believe in a God. The Buddhist teaching is to look at the truth in pursuit of the truth. And when you look at the truth, you know the truth, you practice accordingly. You need to practice yourself. You, you, you need to train yourself in order to get to that enlightenment, in order to become the Buddha. Buddha is not a given concept. It's given the blessings to you. Buddha gives the blessings to you and you become the Buddha. Buddha can only show you the guide. They give you the map. Here is the map to wisdom. Follow this map. He cannot give you the wisdom. If Buddha can give you the wisdom, he would have given it to you already. You don't even have to ask. If God can give you the wisdom, God will not create so many inequalities, so much sufferings, so much scandals and miseries of the world. Those scandals and miseries and sufferings, you created them yourself with your own hands, with your mind. You created your own world, your own destiny. Don't blame God for what you've got. Don't praise God for what you, the complimentary uh, deeds that you have. It's, you deserve it. It's causality. It's very logical. You reap what you sowed. Did you sow the seeds? If you didn't sow the seeds, how can you have apple trees? You have to do it. Every cause will lead to every effect. 
That's a very logical concept. That is a concept that, that should be practiced by, by, by very junior students. If they know cost and effect, they will study hard. They can't pass the examination without studying. They can't get through university without going, getting good marks in high school. It applies to everything. Causality applies to everything. In Buddhism, there's so much to talk about that's 8,600 volumes and um, it's a treasure house. If you start to open that door to the treasure house, go in. Don't just wander about at the, at the doorsteps. If you haven't opened that door, you probably have wasted your lifetime because there's a lot of treasures in there. Treasures that would enhance your spirituality. Treasures that would give you to, lead you to enlightenment. Treasures to, that would lead you not only to future enlightenment, to the happiness right now. What is happiness? Just have a, a chat about what is happiness. Some people define happiness as satisfaction of senses. My eyes want to see beautiful things. I want to, to listen to praises. I want to taste good, delicious taste. So everything they do, all the happiness and joy they want to do, they're in pursuit of satisfaction of the senses. The Buddha said, satisfaction of the senses does not achieve happiness. It will lead to suffering most of the time. So how do we get this happiness? We have to get it from within, not from outside. Not in pursuit of wealth, reputation, money. Happiness is not outside. Happiness is the introversion within. It's within you. The multi-billionaires may not be happy. The poor guy may be the happiest man in the, in the world. He has peace of mind. You have millions of dollars. You don't have that peace of mind. It does not matter. You don't have that peace of mind. You're not happy. Buddhism actually is the study of the mind and the self in relation to your life, in relation to your universe. Pause for a while and think about what the Buddha has been talking about. Why do I have this fear, anxiety? Why am I, why am I suffering emotionally? Why do I cling to the past? Why do I attach to the future? Who can answer those questions? Get into the Buddhist teaching. The Buddhist teaching is not just coming here to get blessings. I brought a lot of flowers to the, to the, to the temple, a lot of incense, and I want to give the Buddha to give me blessings. Blessings is in your hands. You have to work it out. How? It's all in the Buddhist teaching. How many hours a day you and the Sangha members do sitting silent meditation a day? How many day, how many hours? It depends on the Sangha member. Uh, in, a, in a temple where there are a lot of Sangha members, a lot of monks, a lot of nuns, they may schedule their daily work program systematically with discipline. In other words, they get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, they have 4.30 in the morning lesson, and then what they do every hour, they lay it out with discipline. 
how many hours meditation and after meditation they have sitting meditation they have walking meditation and how many hours of chanting they all laid it out very clearly with discipline and they have to discipline it but in a temple like ours we don't have a lot of sangha members sometimes we'll leave it free for the individual to exercise their own judgment as to how much they should spend on uh, so so in other words it's always in my in my dream that I want to build up a, a Sangha community with more members so that we can schedule with, with discipline. But unfortunately, in North America, there are not, a, not many, many Sangha orders. Uh, that is all, that, that's always a, a, my, my, my dr a dream in my mind that as we build up a Sangha order, we will have more discipline. Um, every day we, we schedule a certain hour for meditation. We should have at least five hours of meditation per day, at least. You know why in the, in the ancient days, or particularly the times of the Buddha, there are a lot of his disciples who, in their lifetime, became the arahats? Because they practiced many, many hours per day. They trained themselves every day. Do you remember I gave an example about a triathlon? This young, this young gentleman told me, um, I love the triathlon and I, I train myself, I discipline myself and I, I swim for two hours per day, I bicycle I, for one hour per day and I jog for another hour. I have five hours of concentrated discipline on, on training and, and then after training he said, if I, I think to myself one day, if I apply this five hours to, to, my, to meditation, would I become an arahat in ten years? I said, you may become an arahat in a year. Because if you practice five hours per day, every day like that, who knows, you will be an arahat in no time. Because you probably would have a lot of training already in your previous lifetime. So you see, as I give you an example, when a person with wisdom look at something, he act accordingly. When he went to triathlon and got the training and the discipline, he said, if I applied it to Buddhism, that would be great. So how many people would train themselves would discipline themselves like in the way they, they got trained in, in, in triathlon. None. So how can we become saints in a temple? If we have that consistency of discipline in a temple and everybody abide by that consistency, abide by that discipline, their saints will be produced in the Buddhist temple. That's the dream that we are looking for. I have a dream. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that dream will come true. I hope everybody will help in that dream to make that happen. When you are training with a whole group under the atmosphere of discipline, you are a different person. If you're all by yourself, you, te you tend to slack off because you don't have examples. When you look around, everybody is meditating for five hours per day and you sleep up in the corner sleeping, <laughs> you'll be pointed out by your colleagues. So, uh, who wants to be a monk? <laughs> Nobody, raise your hand. Who wants to be a nun? Nobody. Let me tell you, anyone who can be a monk and go for a training, you must have accumulated 
tremendous merit in your last life, in your previous life. You know why you get involved in the bondage of a family? Because you didn't practice well in your last life. You still roll into a bondage of the family. You still have your children, you still have to work, you still have to struggle for your money, you still have to look for fame and reputation, you worry about your business, you worry about your life, you have anxiety about your death. It's purely suffering. The Buddha said you can get away from that kind of suffering. No more anxiety, no more fear, no more death. Are you willing to do that? Get into our Sangha order tomorrow. <laughs> well, what do you live up to? A hundred years? You, st you still have to die. It does not matter how much money you have. There's always, there's been so many surveys, um, researchers on what is happiness. Would a multi-billionaire, a happy man, they worry about the money. They worry about the business. They worry about one day all this money will be, will be gone because of inflation. Or their partners will swallow up their partnership. They always have worry and anxiety and fear. They live in fear and anxiety. So uh, you ask me how many days, meditation per day, in a temple like ours, we don't have many Sangha members, we're free to allow what you want. Um, you can do what you want, but we just tell you that you should practice. Because if you discipline too much, they're all gone. <laughs> no one, no one wants to have that discipline. You want everybody to practice five hours meditation per day and do a morning lesson and evening lesson? They can't go out to shopping, they can't go out to buy stuff and all that. You won't have any Sangha orders staying behind. You're all by yourself. This, this venerable Guan Chang is all by himself in the temple. <laughs> doing the planking of the, of the musical instruments and watering and, and, and cleaning the floor, sweeping the, sweeping the ground. I don't want to do that all by myself. So we would like to invite people who are interested in becoming monks and nuns. But I'm sure you won't sign up. Because you thought, you thought that living like that is a suffering to you. Because you still want sensual pleasures. You still want to eat your sirloin steak, your fish, your lobsters, your crabs. You still want to go about holiday, honeymooning, you still want to dating, you still, have, you still want to uh, do a lot of things. We can, we can organize a, a short term um, for you uh, so that you, you can taste what is it like. Right now we're a jack of all trade because we're not enough people. I shouldn't be doing leading, uh, I shouldn't be leading the congregation by singing, chanting. I should be just lecturing. I have a lot of other things to do in my researches. But, I, I, but I'm a jack of all trades. Sometimes I'm even cleaning the, the, the bamboo suits and cleaning the ground and, 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 and dusting, doing a, a janitorial work. So if you ask me uh, how many s uh, hours of sitting meditation per day they do, it's up to them to do. It's the seven days retreat in English or Chinese the seven days retreat will be basically in Chinese, but the way we chant, the way we meditate, we, you know how to meditate. 
we'll be chanting the compassionate mantra too. The, the dharani, the karanduka, chitta dharani, then you know how to chant that. So you won't be, you won't be foreign to the meditation, to our retreat. So do come in and join. Um, join our retreat and it, 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 it starts uh, on, the il, uh, on, the, on the 11th. And you should, if you want to sleep in, you, you have to come on, a, on the 10th. Bring in your pillow and we have bed for you, but you bring your own uh, pillows and, and blankets. Um, then every other and, and your toothbrush. Otherwise, everything will be ready for you. We prepare that your bed, you have your, your your bed to sleep, your room, and all that, and you just bring in your pillows and your blankets, and it's free. We don't charge for anything. So why don't you come? Seven days away from from the um, hilarious atmosphere of the outside world, get into the quietude of. Of, of, of peaceful uh, meditation and practice. Get away from all this humdrum of life. Get away from TV. Get away from the newspapers. Get away from your internet, Google, YouTube. Throw that away. You don't need that. Quiet, relaxation, meditation, peace of mind. You will achieve that peace of mind in seven days. And then after you get trained, then you will be in better control of your life. You will not be as emotional. You'll be more reasonable, rational to start with. You will not know how to analyze a problem. You will step back and look at the whole situation. You won't get mixed up with the situation. You're more objective. You're less temperamental. You're less emotional. But isn't that great? Next question. When doing seated meditation, how should we chant Namo Amitabha for? Uh, what pace? Is it slow, fast, or is it better to focus only in one's, one's breath? When you're doing your sitting meditation, if you want to chant Namo Amitabha for, maybe you should just use the four words, Amitabha for. Immeasurable like Buddha, Amitabha for. Your in-breath, army, out-breath, torfor. In other words, I'm breathing in, army, breathing out, torfor. So, army, torfor, army, torfor. Constantly, army, torfor. It's the sound, it's the object, and also the words as the object. So that becomes an in and out breath, in and out breath. When you breathe in, then you feel the breath, and you say, army. When, you, when the breath goes out, torfor, army, torfor, army, torfor. So at the same time, you use that as the object of attention for your introversion of the mind. At the same time, you're doing your meditation. So you can do the four phonetics. You chant army, torfor. You don't need to chant namo. And you know what namo means. What's the meaning of namo? Namo is to go, Namo, that means taking refuge under, taking protection under, or going towards a protection, or, to take, or going towards enlightenment. We are right now in the shore of confusion and life and death. There is the shore of enlightenment and happiness. You want to go from this shore, this land, this shore of confusion and life and death, to that shore of enlightenment and happiness, then you have to cross the ocean of mental afflictions. When you want to cross the ocean to that enlightenment shore, what do you need? You need a, a ship. 
You need to get, get onto the ship to get onto that shore of enlightenment. That ship is the Buddha's teaching. You're taking refuge, taking a protection, going towards. So that's the meaning of Namo. Amitor is immeasurable light or immeasurable life, your life, your longevity. Because in that land where Amitabha is residing now, it's longevity, no death in that land. If you can go to that land, you'll be in there and learn to become the Buddha. There's no retrogression back to life and death. No more suffering in there. In this world, there's a world of suffering. Birth is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering, aging is suffering. Unable to satisfy your desire is suffering. Suffering arising from the death of your relatives and friends. Suffering arising from living with people you hate. Suffering arising from, from earthquakes, from disasters. Humans have a lot of sufferings. The Buddha said we can get away from those sufferings by following the teaching. But you're not interested. What can we do? Yes? Yes, ana, ana means in, pana means out. So if you want to do to combine uh, with Amitabha, you can in breath army, out breath tofu, army tofu, army tofu. You still focus on your on your breath. Uh, you can focus on two things at the same time, army tofu. Because when you count, when the breath is gone, you count one. You just replace that one by army. So it's the same. You just say, Ami Tofu, Ami Tofu. And then if you're wondering, you drift off and you lost your Ami Tofu, you didn't count it anymore, you know you're sleeping. In your mind, in your mind, yeah. You can, you can even sw whisper a little bit, you say, or you don't whisper. When you get used to it, you just, when, when, it, when you breathe in, Ami, when you breathe out, Tofu. So, Ami Tofu, Ami Tofu. Because you have to breathe anyway, right? When you're sitting there meditation, you don't want your mind to go everywhere. You don't want to think about money. You don't want to give out a business. You don't want to think about usually what the mind works. The mind wants to attach to the past. How did, they, how did the past get created? They create the past through what? Through the memory. Through our memory, we want to, re to attach to the past through memory. You want to remember the past. And through imagination, we create the future. But the future hasn't come yet. Why do you have to worry about it? The past is already gone. Why do you still think about it? So there's no past. Don't let the pa past work at you with emotion. The past is gone. It will never come back. In the past, you make multi-million dollars. You don't, you're not making multi-million dollars anyway. So what? It's already gone. Why do you have to hang on to your past through memory? Why do you have to worry about your future? The future hasn't come. You worry through your imagination. And you remember attached to the past through memory. Imagination and memory get, give you the suffering. Meditation, it depends on how you proceed. Well, why don't you come to this uh, session, on, um, you register and come to the session, and then we tell you what to do.
Um, you can even register for two hours or three hours or four hours. And you can come on a Saturday to join too. And a Saturday we don't have the meditation, but we still have, we're still in there doing Namo Amitabha for walking, uh, walking meditation. We're still chanting Namo Amitabha for. So we start from September 10th. If you want to sleep in, we have a place for you to sleep because we have, you have to get up early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Bring your alarm clock. We don't want to go into your room and lock your door. <laughs> Bring in your alarm clock. You have to wake up 4 o'clock, 4.30, first morning lesson. And then from 4.30, every hour we'll be practicing. We have lunch too. We have lectures like this. We'll be talking about Buddhism like that. And we'll be circumambulating. We'll be chanting Nam Mo And we'll be chanting silently. And you will learn a lot in these seven days. You can join for two days. One day, two days, three days, four days. If you can go on holidays for seven days, for a week, how come you can't come for one hour? Listen, I mean, I, mean, you, 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 that, I don't understand. As I mentioned yesterday, this is something that we should remember. There are two things, as I mentioned yesterday, which I want to, re to reiterate again. That there are two things which are equal to everybody. It does, not know, it does not matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how healthy you are, how beautiful you are, how ugly you are. Your, every, everybody's life is different. Your destiny is different. Your lifestyle is different. But it does not matter. There are two things. Everybody is equal. The first is recognizable, and the second is ambiguously recognizable. What is the one that is recognizable? Death. Everybody has to die. As I always ask the question, if you don't have to die, you raise your hand. Anybody who don't have to die? Death. We know, everybody, we know this death. It's recognizable. It's equal. You're a billionaire, you're poor, you still have to die. It does not matter. It's equal to you, to everybody. This is clearly identifiable. But then there's another one that is not clearly identifiable, that you have to use wisdom to analyze it. What is that? Causality. This is not easily recognizable. But if you sow that cause, you have that effect. If you work hard, you won't be fired. If you work hard, you'll do a good business. I mean, there's cause and effect. If you want to be successful, you have to work at it. You can't just sit there doing nothing and be successful. So there's cause leading to the effect, which is logical, which is important. Between cause and effect, there's contributing factors. So that causality is not easily identifiable. It's not easily recognizable. Only for people who have a little wisdom, they know. So for people who don't know causality, they can kill, they can lie, they can commit sexual misconduct, they can cheat, they can deceive, they can do whatever, whatever bad things they because they don't think they have an effect coming up to them, to them. It's not recognizable by them. But to you, you recognize it because you're wiser. So everybody's wisdom is different. Next question, what happens if we are asleep when we die and therefore are unable to chant Namo Amitabha? Well, when you, when you die in your sleep, uh, most people die with suffering. You, you visit hospitals, hospital care, most people die with suffering. First of all, if you can die in your sleep, that could be a semi-blessing. 
a lot of people, they don't die in their sleep. But I have, I have relatives who die in their sleep. One afternoon, they take a nap, and then they go. What an easy way to die. And I have also seen people who couldn't finish the last breath for months. For six months, they were on oxygen and lying and the heart were in the bed. They couldn't pass away. They still hold on the last breath. I remember about five years ago, I went to Hong Kong and there was a, a lady coming up to me. He listened to my radio program about Buddhism. He came up to me and said, my mom is dying in uh, Centorio, Centorio, Yuanwo, Centorio Hospital. And every day, he, he, she is, she is, she is a, a millionaire. Every day she spent uh, 60,000 every day to keep the oxygen on the mom's, the mom was dying and spent a lot of money in, in, in that private hospital. Is that it's been on for half a year already. So is there any way that uh, uh, Reverend, you can do something about it? So I went to visit uh, her mom and I whispered in her ears, this is time to let go. Don't think about all these unfinished businesses. Your daughter will take care for you. I know you have a lot of paintings that you invested and put it in your safe, but your daughter would take it up for you. We know that you have a lot of properties. Your daughter will, will, will straighten that out for you. Don't worry about it. Leave and let go and go to that land of happiness. Chant Nam Mormi Tawful. So I whisper in her ears. I did that on Friday. And then I went, I also went to, to the ladies' apartment and we organized a team to chant uh, Siddhikapa Sutra. We chant for about three hours, and that is on a Friday. And after that Friday, I left to, to China for China to release a sea life. And then the next day, I, I received a telephone call. My mom passed away already. So lingering on for half a year, I whisper in her ear, I, I'm not doing magical stuff, I'm not supernatural. I'm just, I know, first of all, I have to find out what other unending businesses this elderly lady is attaching to. And I know that she has a lot of private paintings. She spent a few million dollars buying Western paintings. And some of the paintings haven't arrived. From, uh, from art gallery, and she's worrying that these invoices don't match, and worrying that, uh, that the, some of the paintings will be destroyed, and all that, and all that, and all that. So I whispered in her ear, I said, don't worry about those paintings. Your daughter is capable of handling it. So she released everything, and the next day she, she uh, passed away. And then my disciples said, I, I had supernatural power. So no, I didn't have natural supernatural power. I just find out what kind of things she's to attach to. Some people couldn't finish his last breath because of a diamond ring in the deposit box. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, don't laugh. He had a very expensive diamond ring and other jewelry in the deposit box. And she didn't give the key to her daughters. And then she was worrying and couldn't talk. So I, I talked to the daughter, and the daughter knew that the mom, but she didn't want to ask, she didn't want to release where the key is to the second daughter. 
because she was afraid the second daughter will open up the, the deposit box and get all the jewelry herself. She had a lot of mixed feelings on, on, on the verge of death. So in that kind of situation, she can't pass away. She attached. She couldn't finish unfinished business. She couldn't go away. Suffering. Some people suffer for months. First of all, if you can die in your sleep, it's a blessing too. But if you cannot chant Nam-Mi-Mu-Tho-For, if after you passed away, within the next few hours, if, if, if there's a group of people chanting for you and reminding you, you still have a chance to, to be reborn in the pure land, the land of happiness. Because your chanting is already in your consciousness. It just need a group of people to instigate, to stimulate that consciousness in you. So that's the reason why people organize chanting group for dying patients. If they chant Nam Mo at the bedside of the person who passed away, it may, it may give the idea to that person, oh, chant Nam Mo and be reborn in that land. Because when a person passed away, he still have consciousness left. The alaya consciousness is the last energy to leave the body. She still can feel, can hear. She can see, but she still can hear. So if you, it reminds her that she's chanting it. And if she's always chanting, it, it, sort of, it sort of serves as a reminder that she should be reborn in that land. There's a lot more to say about this. And we'll say that in, in the seven-day retreat. In the seven-day retreat, we will talk a lot about why we're chanting Namo how to do it, what's the reason behind it. It takes a lot of time to explain it. So you can join us. Okay, another question. Will there be a, a regular meditation class next Saturday, or can we join in the retreat? There wouldn't be a regular meditation class next Saturday. Is it next Saturday fall into uh, after, after the, uh, the 10th? So there wouldn't be any but you can always join us because we'll be using up your meditation room. We consider this yours now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be joining, uh, the, we'll be using your meditation hall and uh, sorry for that. And, and then, but you can, you, can, you can come and join in. Okay. Next question. Can you please comment on predestination? Is it connected to causality and karma? Predestination. Yes, it's connected to karma. Causality is something like this. Say, if, you in, if you're in this life, you're so rich, usually the general cause is you have been doing a lot of charity in your previous life. You've been doing a lot of charity. So don't be jealous at people who are rich, who are multi-billionaire. They have done a lot of good deeds in their previous life. They deserve it. They paved their destiny. And, and don't get, don't despise uh, uh, people who are poor. It's because they don't do charity work in their previous life. People who look very beautiful, very handsome, you know why? They have causes in their previous life. They're not, they're not, they don't show anger in their previous life. They're always gentle and smiling and accommodating and, and, and they always, they, they build up that kind of, a, of, a, of circumstances where in this life they become so amicable. They're, they're so pleasant. 
the demeanor is so pleasant, so welcomable by people. Every effect have a cause. Why people are so healthy, and some people have bad health, poor health, they slaughter a lot of animals in their previous lives. They kill a lot of animals. In this life, they, they, they had short life. They live up to, they, they couldn't even pass 30, or they are in poor health because they let a lot of sentient beings suffer. So every, every effect has its cause. So some people will say, oh, what happened? I didn't know what I did in my previous life. Now I'm poor, what do I do? I, I, I didn't know what happened in my previous life. I can't change my previous life, karma. Yes, you cannot, but you can change the future. Your clothes is already dirty. You need to wash it. Wash the first time, the dirt is still there. Second time, dirt is still there. You keep on washing it, and one day it will be clean. You improve for the future. You repent whatever you have wrong, you have done in the past. But you improve yourself for the future. There's always a future in the Buddhist teaching. Nothing is predestinated. Because by definition of impermanence, everything is changing. There's nothing in this world that is static. There's nothing in this world that's not changing. Every molecule in the air is changing its position now. Every atom, neutron, electron is moving in every direction. Nothing stays the same. It's always changing. You're poor now, but if you work hard, you have a chance to be rich. You're not predestined to be poor. Change your destiny. Your mind can change everything. Your mind is the most powerful. Don't kneel down at your own destiny. Pave your path for success. Pave your path to become the Buddha. You always can change. Unless you don't want to change. Unless you don't have, you have not applied enough efforts to change. Bad things can change to be good. Good things can change to be bad. By definition of impermanence. Nothing stays the same all the time. Depends on you. You are the master of your own destiny. Or you want to be the slave of your own destiny. You, you choose your own method. You choose your master or slave. How do you know when to use the six syllables and the four syllables in Namo Amitabha? The six syllables is the long one. And when we come to almost close to an end, we change the four syllables. And the four syllables, when we change the four syllables, that means it's approaching an end, usually from six to four. So in the session, in the, in the, in the seven-day meditation retreat, we'll show you how to walk, how to walk slowly, how to change while you're circumambulating. There's a lot more to learn. Um, come for an intensive learning course in chanting Nama Amitabha. It could affect your, your lifetime, it could be the most important cause for you at your moment of death. It could sow the seed for you to have a satisfactory death. Most people suffer at death physically. But this is the time to build up a good cause for peaceful death. Because that's how the Buddha teaches us at the verge of death, how to handle it.